three, two, one. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hey everybody, welcome back for another week of our podcast. This week, we have Meathead Goldwyn. Yes, I'm talking about the Meathead that has the amazing barbecue book that everybody loves. Uh, Meathead is the founder of AmazingRibs.com. He also is a critically acclaimed uh, wine enthusiast and wine critic, and also he is a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, we had a great conversation with him. I know you're going to love this episode. Uh, and of course, it was with myself, uh, Rachel Barnett, our co-host, Christopher Ryloff as well, our co-host. It was a great show. I know you're going to enjoy it. But before we get started with the episode, I want to send out a big thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Vitamix. Uh, listen, as a chef, I'm only as good as the tools that are in my kitchen. And I love the Vitamix line of blenders. They have the best blending technology on the market. Uh, there's the XL, which is the one and a half gallon powerhouse of a blender. Uh, there's also the quiet one uh, that basically has a sound enclosure around the blending, which gives you quiet but still precise blending. Uh, they have an amazing line of product. And of course, their powerhouse, the one that you see probably used the most is the Vita Prep 3. This thing will literally like chop your prep time in half. Uh, so anyway, big shout out to our sponsors. Let's get started with the show. Meathead Goldwyn, uh, pleasure to have you on the show. I've always uh, been a big fan. I, on, honestly, I mean, I've always loved the, I found over the years, I've done a lot of Google searches for various content. And I was like, man, this amazing ribs website kind of keeps uh, keeps <laughs> popping up. And it had like great, uh, great, great content. Thank you. And uh, I didn't realize for, for several years that you, uh, that, that that was, uh, you, you know, your, your baby and kind of got that up and running. And, that it, and it also that it had so much popularity. I mean, it's like you're talking like what, millions of people. Uh, and yep. then, of course, uh, the book is uh is tremendous i mean i know a lot of people that are very high on the totem pole in the barbecue world uh right into uh chefs you know people that are like cooking in restaurants and stuff like that that really point to that as a as an incredible uh amazing resource so we're really thrilled to have you on the show thank you very much well i'm flattered and i know a lot about you and uh your place and uh your your interest in uh, grilling and smoking, and uh, I've had the pleasure of sitting in on your seminars. So we, what's the, there's an old song, and since I'm an old guy, you may not know it. We belong to a mutual admiration society. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally appropriate. I mean, uh, definitely a lot of uh, cross pollinization in our in our worlds. I mean, there's a lot of crossover with uh, the way we cook and the people that we know and the restaurants that we all love. Um, so yeah, we were super thrilled. I mean, I, I definitely was excited to be able to, to have you on the show. So, all right, enough of the slapping each other on the back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Meathead, my, my first question I have for you might be, uh, I don't know, you probably have had this asked to you, uh, over the years, but how did you, uh, how'd you get the, the name Meathead? Where, what was the, uh, the, I mean, I'm just curious. I'm kind of the, I've always been a big nickname person over the years too. And, uh, I, I mean, that was kind of the one thing that really, really, um, I took notice of when I first uh, was learned about you. So can you tell us that? Well, I was born with it. You know, mom called me meathead. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it goes back to a television show in the uh, 60s, 70s, Archie Bunker. Yeah. Um, uh, I, the, 
the lead character, Archie Bunker, was a lovable bigot. And uh, his son-in-law uh, was a very liberal uh, guy. And uh, he always called him Meathead. And uh, back in the 60s, I was uh, uh, a hippie. And uh, my dad would call me Meathead. Wow. And so it just kind of stuck. And uh, I got involved in the internet in the 80s and 90s before anybody ever typed three W's in a row. And, uh, you know, in those days, you needed a handle. You still do. You got to have an avatar, a, a nickname. Right. And so I just called myself Meathead. But in those days, I was a wino. Um, I was the wine critic for the Washington Post and the Chicago Tribune. Wow. And I, I was into, uh, I started the wine, er, internet, the World Wine Championships and the World Beer Championships and the World Spirits Championships. And uh, I was deep into beverages. And uh, I, I, I switched to solid food around the year 2000. And when I did, <laughs> I, you know, again, I needed a handle. Meathead was the obvious one, and it works. I tell you, you know, when I when I when I call in uh, somebody's office, and I say, uh, "This is tell them it's Meathead calling." They always remember <laughs> me when I call back. Yeah, <laughs> also, remember, it's it's awesome, and it's totally appropriate uh, considering you know the world of barbecue and all the things that you've you've gotten into. So I I love it. And I was just curious. So you know, I've when I was in high school, I actually in, in junior high, one of my best friends, I nicknamed him Fig F I G. And it was funny. I don't know why. It was just kind of that one-off thing, but it stuck with him over the years. His mom ended up calling him that. So I was kind of fascinated about the origin uh, of a lot of names. So very cool. Um, so, uh, so Meathead, I'm curious. I mean, um, a lot of people we've had on the show, I mean, we've had, we've had like Michelin star chefs. We've had uh, entrepreneurs, uh, foodies, people that do a lot of different things in the, the culinary, the food industry. And I mean, as you know, I mean, 2020 has thrown like all kinds of like, I mean, it's kind of like we've been living in a, uh, like a movie almost. It's been crazy. Yeah. But I mean, how, like, how has it impacted um, your business? I mean, you do a lot of stuff with the content creation with amazing ribs and obviously the book, but I'm sure it's kind of had an impact on you. So kind of tell us about that. Well, it's on a personal level. It, it's, we'll start there. I have a lot of friends who are chefs. Um, and, uh, a lot of people whom I seek information from that I use as guides, references, inspiration, and, uh, the, it's just killing me. It's just killing me what's happening. I mean, uh, uh, one of the more creative, uh, chefs I know is working in an Amazon warehouse now. Wow. I mean, you know, that's just, that, that's a terrible loss for our society. Um, for our website, very interestingly, um, uh, when we all went into lockdown, people were forced to cook. And websites like mine, home cooking websites, got very busy. We doubled in traffic. Um, and it really took off. Um, a lot of grill manufacturers whom I know are sold out. I was talking with a woman in Toronto the other day and she said she wanted to buy a charcoal grill and she could only find gas grills in the hardware stores. Um, but um, it's tapered off a bit. Um, we're back kind of to normal traffic. Uh, I mean, we get 3 million page views a month, so that's a lot of traffic. Um, but uh, 
it 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 went through the roof. And I, I was talking with Christopher Kimball at uh, Milk Street. Uh, I'm sure you know him, and many of your listeners probably do. He's the guy with the bow tie. You know, you right. see him on TV. <laughs> um, and uh, we he he said that his, same thing happened with his site, uh, doubled in, in spring. Um, but there's a uh, a lot of people. I I think if there's anything good going to come out of this, is that. <clears throat> your audience will be better educated about food. Right. Um, they'll know what a gastrique is. Um, and they'll have experimented. They'll have tried new ingredients. And then they're back in stock now. The grocery stores are <clears throat> pretty well stocked now. Meat prices are coming back down to normal. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, you may, we may have a, come out of this with a um, society that is more knowledgeable about food and cooking. Right. Um, it is interesting and actually kind of even ironic that, uh, yes, there's been shortages of inventory on like barbecue equipment, but also ironically like exercise equipment <laughs> yeah. too, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, these things that you kind of take for granted, uh, but, um, it's, it's just kind of crazy, but I do feel like a lot of people have been, uh, figuring out how to like recalibrate and still stay, uh, connected. I mean, obviously podcast and, uh, websites. I mean, that's been a huge conduit for uh, for the exchange of that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, you I know, mean, I'm, it, I hear my my chef buddies now. I never heard the term before, but now they're all talking about ghost kitchens. Yeah, and, right. Uh, totally. They're, mm-hmm. totally. They're all talking about. Uh, <clears throat> okay, we're going to take the restaurant. We're going to enlarge the kitchen. We can sacrifice some of the dining area, and we're going to start sending our food out to little storefronts and strip malls where it's pickup only, you know, and uh, uh, we're going to turn it into a, uh, a production facility and get food trucks on the street. And so uh, it's reinventing your industry. Uh, uh, how are you dealing with it? What are you doing down there? Well, <laughs> we're always, it's, it's kind of a little bit like putting a car together as it's going like full speed, you know, like we're kind of like <laughs> tightening everything on the way. And, and another analogy I use to a lot of people this year has been almost like running through bubble gum. You know, it's like you're working, you, you try to, you're, you're trying to work so hard, but it almost feels like you're in slow motion in some ways. Like it's kind of harder to get things done. Uh, and you don't feel like maybe you've kind of, you know, you're not getting the same sales and everything in some aspects, mm-hmm. but but, you know, chefs are, um, they're creative and they're innovative. They're relentless, you know, people in our industry. And, you know, I'm confident that, you know, we'll figure out a way to uh, get through this and kind of, you know, essentially re- reinvent. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been really uh, a, a crazy year already. Um, Ain't over yet. Meathead, um, Chris here. Um, I just wanted to, you, you were talking a little bit about your website and how, it ran kind of like it went double the traffic that you used to have like uh, every every month. Um, how do you, I, I, I would expect that your website was going to be called meathead.com, right? So how do you came up with the, with the name of Amazing Ribs and uh, what was the main goal when you, when you started it? Well, that's very interesting. I had uh, a business called Beverage Testing Institute and it's still out there. I sold the company. Uh, in the year 2000, and we ran the American World and uh, World Wine Championships, uh, World Beer Championships, World Spirits Championships. We even published a magazine uh, called International Wine Review, and I sold it. 
I sold the magazine. I sold the, uh, the company and, uh, uh the guy who's uh, running it now is doing a really nice job. And I just wanted to reinvent myself. And I was very interested in food and cooking. And, uh, I decided, you know, I would, uh, uh, but also I had done my, my, um, undergraduate work in journalism. I, and, uh, my master's degree was in photography and art actually. And, uh, then, uh, uh, I had built this website for, um, the beverage testing Institute. It's called tastings.com. It's still out there. It's a nice website. And, uh, I thought I'd kind of roll all those together and maybe play with web development. In the year 2000, it looked like a growth field and it had all three of my skill sets. And uh, so I, 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 I built this website called amazingribs.com about barbecue because it was a passion of mine and I needed a website to demonstrate that I could build websites. And uh, I, I named it Amazing Ribs because in those days, there was no Google and Yahoo was the leading search engine. Wow. And a lot of things, and it was, the, the internet was listed alphabetically. So, you know, I was like, you know, in the yellow pages, yeah, you know, triple right. A towing, you know, yeah. I was going to be <laughs> amazing. Real. I was going to be the first one. And I thought, well, okay, I'll start with ribs. Cause I, you know, I want to do a book maybe about barbecue. And uh, this was in 2005. I didn't get the book out until 2016, (laughs) but uh, uh, it it just kind of took off. Uh, Google took off. Google discovered us. Google loved us. People discovered Google and we went through the roof. Uh, We were among the very, very few uh, barbecue websites, maybe the only one in those days. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the first one in the game gets a lot of attention. And uh, we expanded beyond ribs into all forms of outdoor cooking. And, uh, you know, I'm, right now I'm playing with tandoor cooking. I'm playing with fire uh, pit cooking. Uh, uh, it just all outdoor cooking. That's, that's, our, that's our theme now. Meathead, uh, before we go on to the next question, um, have you, I'm just kind of curious with the website. Have you seen, uh, I mean, I imagine when it first started, you probably had a lot of people like regional and the United States, like very much like uh, barbecue, but have you seen it grow in other parts of the world? Cause I feel like American barbecue uh, that there's yeah. been an, an interest and a fascination with that. It's not a major part of our website for traffic, but we do, we have a number of members, um, uh, from uh, the Southern Hemisphere, um, mm-hmm. from uh, Asia, um, Europe. Um, one of our moderators is in Sweden. Um, uh, we have uh, <clears throat> we we do Zoom webinars also on when on Thursday this week. We're doing a Zoom webinar on um, cooking with logs, and one of our panelists is from Argentina, a wow. member of our Pitmaster Club. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, we have, but it's not a huge part. Um, barbecue is really a part of the American lifestyle. Um, it is a popular hobby in Germany. It's very big in South Africa, also, uh, fairly big in Australia, but their ideas about cooking on barbecue or cooking outdoors or cooking over flame are very different than ours. Uh, for example, South Africa, it's almost all uh, what one might call a brazier, an open top grill. 
Um, uh, they're, they're, they're really, it's part of, it's not part of their cooking style to put a lid on it and roast, um, or, or Australia for that matter. Um, it's almost all open top. Um, so it, you know, there's an exchange of, uh, intelligences. Um, sorry, I, I wanted to just ask one more question about amazing ribs. Did I just uh, see you waving my book around? Yeah, I have it full of, uh, Oh my uh, God, look at all the post-it <laughs> notes. When, to be honest, he's uh, going to be busy. When, a lot of recipes whenever, to cook. Whenever uh, uh, I went to the first class that Rich was doing about barbecue and I started asking for like books and everything later on, um, and between Rich and Ken Hess, they told me these are the books that you should totally buy to keep learning about barbecue. And this one, I, I can tell you, this one is the one that it, it got the most posted. Oh, my goodness. It was like, but it's, I mean, the information is great. Um, so about uh, Amazing Ribs, um, do you have any upcoming project or anything new? You just said about the uh, Zoom webinars that, you, that you're already doing, that they're not a big part of it, but probably they could be because everything is moving. It's, it's kind of like digital right now. So do you have anything new that is coming up? Well, um <clears throat> We, we began as a normal website where we had lots of articles, recipes, um, and then we expanded into product reviews. I hired a guy, Max Good. His full-time job is testing grills and smokers. What a cool job, huh? I was going to say, that's a fun yeah. job. Yeah, how do I? I got a guy working for me with a better job than I have. <laughs> and all he does is test grills and smokers. We have an electrical engineer. He's part-time, but he tests thermometers. And if you're ever out there looking for good digital thermometers. We have a very rigorous testing system with specialized equipment because thermometers are so important to cooking, not just indoors, not just outdoors, but indoors as well. Um, uh, so we have a very rigorous part of, uh, of the website that's product testing. But back in 2014, um, we tried something that worked really well. We decided to create a community. Um, we know that barbecue I mean, people, since the beginning of time, we've all huddled around the fire, right? right. Um, and uh, it, it's a communal activity. And we launched what we call the Pitmaster Club. And it's a message board, uh, a forum environment, but it's, uh, there's a fee. It's $24 a year, and um, it keeps us alive. We have 16,500 paid members. Wow, you can do great. the math. That's a business model. Um, uh, advertising, um, you can't survive as a website on advertising. Um, the, the rates continue to dive down, uh, supply and demand. There's just so much real estate out there. Yep. That, uh, advertising rates are very low right now. Um, you just can't make a living at that. Now, I mean, big, big websites, food websites like, um, Epicurious and others, they have big companies behind them. Um, we don't, I, am the sole proprietor. And, uh, so this pitmaster club, we, we have some real benefits to membership. We're not just begging for money. We, we have a lot of cool features and stuff we're doing with the pitmaster club members, but it, it, it is what's keeping us alive and it allows us to do fun stuff. So some of the things we're doing with them now is this, this webinar on Wednesday, we have monthly webinars on a topic. We did seafood last month, um, and uh, they're, they're good deep dives. Um, we have a conference that we're convening next August in Memphis. 
there's never been a conference for barbecue lovers. And we're going to have yeah, which a is conference, crazy. Uh, which is another word for a party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to have a conference in Memphis uh, with uh, demonstrations. You may know Chef Jim Murray from the Pork Board. Uh, he's going to be there. Uh, we got a bunch of great barbecue cooks coming in, and uh, uh, there's going to be demonstrations, whole hog cooking, uh, um, and then we're going to get on buses and go visit the great Memphis barbecue joints and have a lot of fun. That's a new venture there, a new project that we're trying. And uh, foolishly, I've uh, started writing another book. Um, <laughs> we probably have more time now on your hands to do that, even though... No, I don't. It's just yeah. killing me. The book is uh, way behind deadline, and... Uh, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, running a business, you know what it's like. It, yeah. It, it, uh, there's, there, there are 12 people that work for me, uh, not full-time. I think only four or five are full-time more or less, but the rest are part-time. And, it, you know, the technical aspects of it are just mind-boggling. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, with, with the Pitmaster Club, there's a lot of interactivity. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I I really do enjoy my job, but, uh, it's just like any other entrepreneurial venture. You know, if you watch Shark Tank, um, and I think a lot of us in business people do, um, you want to reach out and grab some of these people by the throat and say, you've got a $100,000 a year job with health care, three weeks paid vacation, <laughs> and you're going to give it all up for that little stupid gadget that they just refuse to finance, and you yeah. go backstage <laughs> and they got the camera on you and say, I'm going to keep trying? What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> you know? oh, Entrepreneurship, uh, you know, we, 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 we tout it as the great savior of American business, but Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, bear. a mind killer. It's a yeah. killer. Yeah. It's a great sacrifice and great reward all wrapped up into one. Hey everybody. I just want to take a quick break and let you know that you can listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast. And again, a huge thank you. This show would not be possible without our sponsor Vitamix. Now let's dig in and get back to the show. Uh, but, you know, you really kind of showed, though, like with the website, and I think this is something for people that are uh, maybe budding uh, entrepreneurs that maybe want to use a website as their storefront, that at the end of the day, whatever, uh, whatever the product is, uh, it still has to be great. And if it's a resource, that's really what's going to get people to keep kind of coming back. It's got to be a mm -hmm. compelling product. And like, again, for me, for years, I mean, I've been using that website going there because there's been in interesting conversations. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a certified master chef. I'm going to a website that mm -hmm. there's a conversation about the cooking temperature, the, you I'm know, the car you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's great content. And I think that's really what you need. People need to point but to. I, I should understand. clarify something. It's not a storefront for us. We right, don't sell right. anything. We do right. not sell a thing. I don't even sell my own book. You want to buy my book, go to Amazon. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, we're, we, we, that, that, and that's because we review products, right? Um, you know, I, you can't review products and then sell products and remain unbiased. Totally. Um, Good. Point. So, uh, yeah. the only thing we do sell is membership in our pitmaster club. And, uh, th th that, that's a great value. There's a, we, we, ha we have a lot of benefits to membership and it's a lot of fun. Um, if anybody out there listening is interested, 
go to amazingribs.com slash pitmaster and there's a all the benefits are listed there that's awesome so with you being a pitmaster and you know knowing the ins and outs of barbecue what is the biggest mistake that you see people commit with with barbecuing cook too hot um uh they they they, they throw all kinds of charcoal or turn up the gas burners to high and anybody who knows anything about uh food particularly meat um, uh, all they're doing is squeezing the juice out. Uh, yeah. uh, moisture, uh, proteins contract, muscle fibers contract, the juices squeeze out, they burn food. Um, uh, they really need to learn two-zone cooking. That is, you have a hot side that is infrared radiation that is the sear zone, and then you have a not hot side where there is no heat, just convection airflow and that is the indirect heat zone, and that's where you roast, and you almost always do reverse sear. You almost always start on the indirect side, then you gently warm the meat so you don't squeeze out the juices, and then you finish it over high heat and do your sear at the end, not the beginning. Basic core concept. Um, I could talk about why it's this crucial concept for an hour, because <laughs> there's a lot of subtlety to it. There's physics and chemistry to it, but that's the, 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 uh, a technique that anybody who cooks on a grill needs to learn. The other one is thermometers. Um, uh, a medium rare steak is 130 to 135 degrees, period. Um, we know because there's a machine called the Warner Bratzler machine that they use that puts pressure on meat and they can tell when it is most tender and when it is most juicy. And we know that in that temperature range, meat is most tender and most juicy. So that's your target range. Now you 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 don't you can't tell by poking it. You know eh, there are still hundreds of websites out there that I, I've got I've got a picture from one of them on my desktop here. Uh, where the, is this going to be shown vid visually or v uh, video or is there strictly a uh, sound? We, we can we can put a picture on that part that you want to explain. Don't I got I got to show you this. Yeah, we can edit. No problem. This I'm going to share screen here, and uh, uh, let's see if I can get this uh, uh, standby. Um, while you're pulling that up, Meathead, don't you think that there's a lot of parallels to like barbecue and sous vide as far as like the the time, even though they're different cooking applications, just like with the uh, the time and temperature, and you know the 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 denaturing of protein and the breaking down of uh, you know still getting a great succulent product uh, after a long cook? Oh, well, I mean, all manner of cooking. I mean, cooking is chemistry and physics. And you need to understand the basics of cooking uh, chemistry and physics. And uh, to be a good cook, there we go. I got a bunch of stuff in the background. Oh, this is here. great. I love this. <laughs> I mean, you see this on all, all over the place. Mm -hmm. The meat hand test. Um, I think this is BuzzFeed. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah. I knew, I've seen this yeah. over the years. <laughs> yeah, this is from BuzzFeed. Yeah. And they, this is all over the internet, and there's variations everywhere. I mean, come on now. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody's hand is different. Um, you know, if you work out every day, your hand is nice and tight and taut. Right. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm an overweight old man, and my hand is and 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 a filet mignon is different than a sirloin. 
Right. Um, I mean, it, it just, it, this is something else that I think that if, if you've looked at the book, and I guess I gather you have, um, that we have had a great deal of fun with, and that's myth busting. Um, uh, the, 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 the idea that you can, that you can tell when meat is done by poking it, um, is just a, a silly old myth, but that comes from the fact that most of us learn to barbecue from our parents, mm-hmm. who learn from their parents. Who, so it's handed down. And, you know, a lot of this comes t- down to us from traditional French and Asian cooking. And uh, we, 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 have, we have digital thermometers now. We have um, instruments like uh, immersion circulators. Uh, uh, we, we understand what's going on inside that slab of meat, inside that carrot. Um, and we know better uh, than our, our, our parents did. And uh, th- there's just an awful lot of mythology surrounding barbecue that uh, we've had a lot of fun busting. And it applies to sous vide. It applies to all forms of cooking. It, every time you step into the kitchen, you are commencing a physics or chemistry experiment. I think what you just said about the thermometer and everything is great. And, and like you said, I mean, there is a couple of uh, more myths that you have in the book that they're great. And one of the thing that one of the one that I, I loved it was about the the juice that that the the beef if if the beef loses juices or not before you cut it when you take it out of the of the grill pan or barbecue whatever you how you're cooking it and and that was like it, it's great to read that and and I would recommend the book to everyone just for just for those little tips it has a lot of information but there is so many like those myths that you just said. Um, they're great to know. It comes with the science. It's fun. Right. And, and, and I think that's one of the reasons the book has sold 200,000 copies, uh, which is extraordinary. Wow, that's cookbook. amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's extraordinary for a cookbook. The book has two parts. It, the first part is really a science textbook. It's the science. You're right. yeah. I mean, there's a whole chapter on fire, smoke. Um, we, 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 we explain that we should stop talking about heat. We should be talking about energy. There's a difference between heat and energy. Um, and and I, I'll give you a great example of this. And this always opens people's eyes. Um, go, go turn on your indoor oven and set it for 200 degrees. And when it comes up to temp, open the door and stick your arm in there. You can do this. It's not going to burn your hair off your arm. You can actually hold your hand inside a 200 degree oven for a little bit. Now, turn your hand and touch the side of that oven. It's 200 degrees. When you get back from the hospital, you'll understand that 200 degree metal and 200 degree air are very different. Right. And we're talking about temperature when we say 200 degrees, but the energy stored in the metal, the energy transferred from the metal is so different. And that's the core concept, a core concept of cooking. It's energy we're dealing with, not heat. It's not temperature. Um, It's the energy that is what is causing the food to cook. And that's really a crucial kind. Once you wrap your head around that, you get to understand why you want to have a two-zone setup on a grill. You want infrared radiant energy on one side. That's how you sear a steak with infrared radiation. You can't sear a steak in a 400-degree oven because warm air won't sear. But you can sear a steak on, uh, uh, over infrared radiation. Um, and it, it, you're not going to get a sunburn 
when you're standing under a tree. But when you step out into the ultraviolet radiation, you can get a sunburn. Um, and they're, they're, they're similar. They're different wavelengths on the scale, but it's the same concept. And, and that really even kind of like echoes a lot of things we talk to people about with uh, sous vide cooking where, well, why do you cook things in a water bath? Well, the water happens to distribute the heat more efficiently than yes. just an ambient dry oven. And, and then even the, uh, even the oven, uh, if there was steam in there or some humidity, that begins to change the way in, that, in which that heat is distributed as well. But I mean, I, I, that's why, I mean, I could talk to you like all day long because I mean, I think that mm -hmm. it's fascinating <laughs> to understand the why. And that's what we always try to talk to people about is the why of what you're cooking. It's not just, and you know, like with barbecue, it's almost been kind of like folklore. Like people would just yeah. pass recipes down and they didn't really know why <laughs> they were doing it this way. It's just like, well, that's the way for generations, our family or our restaurant. That's how they've always done it. But um, yeah, the well, book you talk really about reveals. And you, it's, it's in water because the water transfers energy better. And that's right. why you don't want air in the bag. Right. Because right. air is an insulator. Um, so... Uh, yeah, the, 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 there's just an awful lot of this mythology uh, that, that, that we have disproved. Uh, another classic is, I, I, you can't see, but uh, over here, I must have every barbecue book ever written. And they all tell you to soak your wood chips in water. Right, yeah, right. And mm -hmm. now, now, let's just think about this for a minute. Wood. They build boats out of wood, don't they? Right. You know why? Because wood doesn't absorb water. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Water turns to steam at 212 degrees. But wood doesn't combust until five, 600 degrees. So if you take wood chips and chunks and get a handful of them and weigh them on your kitchen scale, and then soak them, not just for an hour, like the books tell you. Soak them overnight. And then pat the surface water off and weigh them again. There's only about a 2 or 3% weight gain. Crack them open. There's no water on the inside. It can't soak in. Now, the surface, which is a little fuzzy, will hold some water. Now you throw them on your fire. Well, if you've got a charcoal fire, it's really important that you get the temperature stabilized. I mean, you want to cook at a stable temperature. Now you've just thrown water on your fire. You're cooling off your fire. Not a good idea. And all that smoke that comes up, hold a mirror over it. It's steam. It's not smoke. Right. <laughs> yeah. So why are we soaking our wood chips? Now let's go a step further. People often write to me and say, you know, I, I, I've got a gas grill and I want to get some smoke in my uh, cooking. Um, and... Uh, I, I, throw, I throw wood on the fire, but it just catches on fire and burns up in a hurry. How do I prevent that? You don't want to. When wood combusts, when there's a bright yellow flame with a blue tip, it's burning off impurities. The smoke that comes from combusting wood is better than the smoke that comes off from smoldering wood. That white puffy smoke is nice tasting, but it's not as good tasting as what we call blue smoke. And blue smoke is almost invisible because the particles are so small, because the impurities have been burned off. So let it, that wood chunks and chips catch on fire. You'll get a better tasting smoke. So wetting the wood chips 
not only doesn't give you more smoke, it just gives you a bunch of steam, but it, it interferes with the ability of its combustion, and that's what you want. So big myth right down the drain, and I'm telling you, I could close my eyes and reach out and grab any book, and it'll tell you to soak the wood. Oh, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beathead, you've traveled a lot um, and seen different types of uh, barbecue over the years, obviously all the different cookbooks. Um, is there any of the regions in the United States uh, of barbecue that you feel like you kind of have more of an affinity to? Anything that you just say, oh, man, it's, I could always go for, you know, Texas barbecue or, or ribs or. Well, I've never been asked that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I spent a lot of my youth in Florida and. Um, people don't think of Florida as barbecue, but um, there is an indigenous style of smoking fish down there, smoked mullet. Wow. Mullet is a, a vegetarian fish. You don't catch it with bait normally. It's caught with nets. Interesting. And um, uh, it's about the same size as a trout, and they, uh, they gut it and butterfly it and season it and smoke it. And it's not very good any other way. It's kind of like bluefish up on the uh, New Jersey coast in Long Island. Um, kind of oily. But uh, smoked, it's just delicious. And smoked and grilled seafood. I mean, when it, any, any, you ask any chef, barbecue chef, you got a nice piece of fresh fish. What do you do with it? Get out of the way. You know? <laughs> just get the hell out of the way. Salt and pepper. Don't overcook it. Here's where your thermometer comes in handy. 125 to 135 maximum um, and just get out of the way. You don't need barbecue sauce. You don't, right, you don't need, need a whole lot, a lot mm -hmm. of spices and herbs. Uh, just let the flavor come through. Um, and, and grilling really amplifies seafood flavor. I mean, it just mm -hmm. a little bit, a little touch of smoke, um, the, 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 the flame um, really. So yeah, it goes back to my youth. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Florida Gator, <laughs> class of 71, go Gators. Awesome. Uh, and uh, um, the uh, uh, seafood, uh, seafood over flame. Awesome. I'm in. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to have to try that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, smoked oysters. Oh, right yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, uh, Meet, have we just finished up too doing the uh, the International Sous Vide Association uh, yeah. summit? Yeah, you and I was, were both uh, honored to be speakers. Yeah, that was that was very cool. And uh, you know, I I was kind of curious though. I mean, is there any ways that you would kind of advise listeners as to like how to kind of merge or marry uh, uh, barbecue and and sous vide like it? And I believe you have there actually have a, a book that you did um, yeah. with that as well. I, I'm, I'm an, I, I enjoy playing with the two. Mm -hmm. I actually coined the term sous vide Q, which I think some people are uh, using with uh, oh, I like that. Uh, comfort. Um, as it's sous vide mixed with barbecue. Um, well, as anybody who's done sous vide knows, and I'm sure your audience is familiar with the concept, when you come out of the bag, um, the, the food is just perfectly cooked. It's very tender, <clears throat> very juicy but you're missing one thing. It's butt ugly and you don't have the flavor that comes from the Maillard reaction, which is a chemical reaction where proteins and amino acids and some of the reducing sugars turn brown and create all kinds of new flavors. Um, in barbecue, we call it the, the bark or crust. Um, and, uh, and you can get that by throwing it in a hot pan or on a grill. 
or you can get a torch to it, or you can throw it in a smoker. And so at the sous vide conference, um, that, that's what I spoke about. I did a presentation uh, on the, um, the various ways you can apply smoke and fire to sous vide products um, and, uh, and, the and the strengths and weaknesses of it. Um, for example, I, I've played with, you know, which is better, smoking it before it goes in the bag or smoking after the bag. And clearly to me, it's after the bag is better. You can get a little flavor when you smoke it beforehand, but the smoke flavors are very ephemeral, very um, volatile. And, and there's a lot of purge, a lot of liquid that comes out of the meat in the bag and it washes off. So make, if you go, if you want to put smoke on meat, take it out of the bag, put it on the smoker and it'll pick up smoke in a hurry. Um, you won't get a smoke ring because the smoke ring comes from only cold meat. And that's a whole nother chemical right. reaction we can talk about. But you, so that's a great technique. Um, throw it on the smoker or in smoke. There's a technique that I call um, proximity or close smoking. Um, there's a product on the market. I'm, I'm not selling this. I don't get paid for endorsing it <laughs> called grill grates. Um, and and, and uh, you probably know what they are, but grill grate is a um, unusual grate that you use on your grill and it has sort of a solid bottom and then rails. I think, imagine railroad track rails that are connected at the bottom and then there's holes in, in, the, in, in the plate that connects them. Um, and, and they do a great job of evening out the heat. Um, but because this rail is maybe a half inch raised from the plate, you can throw sawdust or wood chips or wood pellets in between them. And with seafood, you can put smoke onto a piece of fish, which is going to cook fast in a hurry. And that's a great technique. So we wrote a book on this uh, called Sous Vide Q Made Easy. And it's an e-book. And it's $3.99. That's all. Oh, cool. Okay. And it has everything I know about Sous Vide Q. Um, it's about 150, 200 pages, a lot of pictures. And a lot of links, and that's why it's an ebook. I got links to all kinds of references and resources. So if you're new to sous vide, it'll it'll get you up to speed, and it'll take you to the places where you can buy the equipment or learn more about the techniques. But it talks about how to apply smoke and flame to uh, uh, to uh, sous vide. Uh, it's called Sous Vide Q Made Easy. Um, it's a Kindle book. Oh. I the uh, www or just no um, tinyurl.com slash sous vide q q u e okay that's it tinyurl.com slash sous vide q q u e it takes you right to the Amazon page where you can buy it for three ninety nine and if you're a, um, a Kindle direct or whatever they call it you get it for free I believe there's a, a lot of people like home cooks even now that are doing a lot of sous vide, almost even as much as there has been in the professional industry, people mm -hmm. have really taken a liking. And I think they also, there's also the same affinity for barbecue. So I think people really like kind of connecting those, those dots. It's, it's, it's crossing the streams. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's Some awesome. ghostbusters. Uh, Meathead, uh, what is uh, your go-to barbecue dish or dishes? My go-to? Well, this is going to shock you, ribs. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's who doesn't who doesn't love ribs? I mean, which which first, kind? Pardon? Which kind of ribs? Uh, pork ribs. Um, oh. either baby back or St. Louis cut. Oh. Uh, St. Louis cut a little more. 
there's a, a little more flavor and fat and juiciness to St. Louis cut. But I mean, the, the part, part of the fun, aside from the fact they taste great, is you get to eat with your hands. You know, <laughs> this is just primitive. You know, <laughs> <and gnawing laughs> on the bones, and it's just yeah, you know, it's, it's it gets the caveman out. It's fun, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and it and, and it's a little sweet, you know. If you use a Kansas City style sauce, it's a little sweet, and we like our sweet foods. And uh, it's fatty, it's flavorful. Uh, I mean, and it's got smoke, it's got rub, spices, it's got everything, you know. So yeah, that's a right. that's a go to. Um, right now, the new book I'm working on, the last book is called Meathead, The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling. And there's a lot of science in there, as I mentioned. The book I'm working on now, which won't be out till spring 22, if I get to it, um, uh, is called The Meathead Method, Barbecue Science Meets Art. And um, I actually did my master's in art. And um, I- I'm I'm trying to talk about getting outside the box for the barbecue lovers, the uh, people who are in our pitmaster club who are really into barbecue and they're doing brisket and pulled pork. And I want them to learn more about Asian ingredients. I want them to learn more about Indian. I want them to learn more about Spanish. And I'm crossing the streams in here. I mean, we've got Spanish and Asian in the same recipe. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun inventing new techniques and recipes, um, experimenting, um, creating uh, new approaches. I just did one last week that was kind of fun. Um, I, I had some really good salmon. And um, I, I wanted to try a, a miso and maple glaze. Um, you know what? I said, get out of the way on fish. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, 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 salmon does take nicely to salt, and it does take nicely to a little bit of sweetness. And I didn't want to get too much on it. Um, but I, uh, uh, so I thought I'd maybe cross-hatch it like you would a duck breast, uh, to, just to get a little of the flavor to move inside. Um, and... Um, and then I, then I thought, well, wait a minute. I had this mixing bowl that I will often drape fish over that will help me find the pin bones. If you've got a fish fillet and it's got pin bones in it, if you take a mixing bowl and turn it upside down, you can drape the fish over it and run your hand over it and it'll make the bones stick out. So I had done that. Now I had just crosshatched. Well, I put it back on there and painted it and so that the flavor got down into the crosshatches. And uh, it was it was an interesting technique, and uh, so miso, which is you know Asian, and uh, maple, which is New England, um, uh, kind of crossing the uh, stream, and That's this awesome. creative technique. And then I did it um, skin on, and I just I never turned it. I just cooked it um, over medium high heat. Um, and oh, I used I had this um, old herb de Provence bag. Um, it had been sitting around for you, and it was just, you know, it wasn't fresh at all. So I took these herbs to Provence <laughs> and threw them on my gas grill, put the fish skin side down right above the herb to Provence. I, you know, it must have smelled like I was burning marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did smell like that. I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, I, I got, you know, when you're cooking fish, if you want smoke, you got to get it fast. You got to get it in a hurry. Then I laid the bowl that I had put the fish on top of the fish to capture the smoke. 
sounds like a rigmarole. I'm not telling the story in the proper order. But the, the bottom line was, is I got a really nice, delicate fish with a little miso, a little maple, and a little smoke. And uh, it all worked out quite nicely. And that would be, will be in the book. That's awesome. Sounds delicious. Well, I know we're getting um, pretty close here, coming up on an hour. So I think we'll, uh, each one of us, maybe just take one more question if you got the time, Meathead. And uh, I'm, I'm here as long as you want. I, I love talking. <laughs> well, we to could you talk guys. to you like all day. I mean, it's really just fascinating discussion. Um, so, Christopher, you want to go first? I would say uh, I have this one that, uh, that I think is, is pretty interesting. If you weren't a barbecue whisperer or a culinary myth debunker, uh, what would you like to to be doing? Oh, uh, that's easy. It, are you I, sure it's easy? Because you're like you you have so many different yes. like studies in your in your in your head already. So it's like I was like, what he what he would do if he's not this? I uh, I did my master's in art, and uh, I thought I would um, be an artist. And um, so this next book, with, which has art in the title, um, in which I talk about culinary art as an art form, um, I uh, am hoping to, uh, I'm, I'm doing all the photography, and I hope to oh, amp wow. up my uh, photographic skills and demonstrate a new level of photography. I'm going to share a screen again. Oh, cool. You're the one that does all your books. I'm doing well. I did all the photography in the last book, and nice. this is this is an image from my new book. Oh wow! Wow, that is beautiful. That's called vinaigrette, um, and uh, it's a technique called light painting. Uh, and wow. most of the images in the book are done with light painting. Um, it's done with a essentially a flashlight. Okay. Um, and in a dark room and the camera lens stays open for maybe 20 seconds. Um, and, uh, I have a studio in my basement and, uh, so oh, I, I, beautiful. I, yeah, I'm very yeah, proud of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Photoshop work, so it is in fact a lot of painting. Um, so how, long, I, how long does it take to, to do an image like that? That image took about 30 minutes to photograph uh, each 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 object in the uh, image is photographed separately they're they're all together okay all right let's let's pull it back up here for a second uh, stand by and what is that style again called meathead it's called light painting I, I can okay. provide you with some links to more of my images um, but you have to photograph the tomato uh, then the uh, onion, then the salt and pepper shaker, then the little puddle of salt. Each of them are photographed separately to get them exactly right. Um, and then this um, jar, uh, this bottle of um, olive oil has to be lit from behind, uh, not from in front. Uh, you can see where the light's coming from, like yeah. on the lemon. It's coming from up around 2 o'clock, but it's coming from behind. So the lights are coming from different directions. Uh, um, and uh, So does the flashlight almost kind of highlight uh, each one of those yeah, uh, ingredients yeah. like independently? Yeah, and then each one is assembled. So, that yeah. there's, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, maybe a dozen different photographs assembled. Pardon? 
Is that the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, it's a. I found it in an antique store. It's a. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's a. It's an Eiffel Tower bo bottle. Oh, <laughs> very cool. Hey, you can't picture. see it very yeah. clearly here, but the image is quite high resolution. I mean, I can yeah. blow it up to about five foot. And uh, wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. So. That's amazing. So we know you're doing all sorts of recipe testing and development, but I'm always curious what what are you cooking at home or are your recipes that you're developing? Is that what you're cooking at home? Yeah, that's, uh, the, but lately my wife's doing all the cooking. Um, um, I've just had a, a, a ridiculously busy summer with various projects and I haven't had a chance to do much cooking that I, as, as I want. Um, in the past was about 50, 50, but she's been doing so much of the cooking this summer. She's a good cook. She's probably the best cook in the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's a PhD food safety microbiologist. She was really? very high rank, just retired wow. from the FDA. So, uh, wow. Very high ranking food safety scientist. So if you eat here, you won't get sick. <laughs> I love that. You're in good hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Meathead, uh, 2020, uh, my, my last question would be, 2020 has just been filled with like so much adversity and so much... Uh, like I said, it was like almost kind of like living through this, like uh, a movie and it's like one thing after another. And of course you've seen, you know, the California fires, all this stuff. I mean, what do you hope that like we will uh, learn from this, from all this adversity? I mean, do you feel like, or, or is there anything positive that you hope that we kind of take from, from this year that what any, any good that can kind of come from all of this turbulence that we we've faced? Boy, well, I've already mentioned that I think that we will come out of this with um, a citizenry that maybe knows a little more about cooking and food. Um, uh, in the scope of things, weighed against 200,000 dead, probably not a major accomplishment. But for those of us who think food and drink is is crucial to uh, a full life, that I think will be nice. Uh, you know, my my biggest fear and concerns are the restaurants. Uh, um, the farmers will be okay. Um, the meat processors will learn how to keep them their people safe. Um, these restaurateurs, most of them are renting. They don't own their building. Um, the landlord can only extend them free or discounted rent for a while. And then what do they do? I mean, if they, if they shut them down, they've got an empty building. There's nobody paying rent. I mean, who are they going to rent it to? Amazon? Right. Um, uh, the, uh, um, and then the, 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 the chef who owns the restaurant has hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in tables and chairs and bar and equipment and kitchen and dishwasher and ovens. And what are they going to do? Pull it out of the restaurant and put it in a warehouse. They can't afford the warehouse space. Right. Um, so it, it's just a, an abyss. Uh, and I don't see what's going to happen. I know it's going to present opportunity. People who have a lot of money, will be able to swoop in and take over these empty spaces. 
Um, and you know, but I, 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 my heart bleeds when I hear of a great chef who's working in an Amazon warehouse. Right. Um, I mean, this book I'm working on is, is, is all about creativity and artistry. And I, uh, there are so many chefs like yourselves that I admire for the, their ability to, to open a refrigerator door and see a meal, not just ingredients. And, um, uh, to, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's like cutting the tongue off a trumpet, trumpetist. Uh, I mean, I don't know how we're going to survive that aspect of it. I don't know that there is that a lot of good that's going to come from it. I think we're, it's going to take us a very long time to, re, to resolve these problems. Um, uh, I think we'll, we're going to see a diminution of uh, of the of, uh, of 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 first responders, healthcare people. They're at their wit's end. How many of them are going to leave the field? Um, teachers, so many of them have quit. Um, I I don't know. I, and 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 and, t and then then what's so frightening? I'm sorry, I'm painting a terrible picture. You wanted me to give you something yeah, you were <laughs> positive. <laughs> But I mean, now we've got all these people running around doubting the science. Right. And if anything can help us, it's the science. I mean, if there is a solution to this, it's that, okay, folks, we have just faced an epidemic. How do we prevent this from happening again? I know how. Let's, let's do research. Let's, let's, let's have uh, vaccines at the ready. Let's get prepared. Um, I mean, this is called the novel coronavirus, but there are other coronaviruses around. They could have had coronavirus um, vaccines in advanced stages that could have been adapted to meet this novel coronavirus, but yeah. they didn't. We did. Right. Our government didn't provide the funds. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off the deep end now. No, um, no, I think it's, but it's, it, they're important uh comments and observations uh, for people to consider. And they are yeah. real um, serious conditions that we're in. This, this um, society is forever changed. Yeah. Uh, or, or at least for a very long time. You know, uh, the one thing as I, if I, you know, have talked to a lot of restaurateurs uh, over the last several months and I, you know, obviously being a restaurateur myself, I mean, I, I try to find uh a path of like, how do you go forward and, and share that with the other, uh, other entrepreneurs. And the one thing I would say um, to, to look at from the eating standpoint is that today there are still, for the most part, the same amount of people that are still eating every day. Now they're eating differently. And in our industry, at least you still have that demand. Now the model has broke for sure. Uh, we have to figure out how to connect the dots for those chefs to still be creating those experiences and those meals. Whereas something like maybe the airline industry, clearly there are less people traveling on planes every, every day. Um, but we do have to figure out and like redefine uh, reinvent, I guess, you know, how do we get those meals uh, to the, to, to those customers, to those, those guests that we've, we were so used to serving. I mean, Rachel can tell you, you know, we should be very, very busy right now in Atlanta at our event space. You know, we have 120,000 square feet of event space and nearly 98, 99% of the business has evaporated for this year. Uh, trying to sort out like, what does that look like? 
next year or the next six months. I mean, it's definitely going to take uh, some creative thinking, but, but like you said, you know, science is going to play a big role and having a, a vaccine. Um, but I do think even in our time talking with you, there is something comforting in the conversation uh, and the experience of food. I mean, I can tell you this, this hour with you has gone by. It felt like it's been 15 yeah. minutes and we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but I do well, think we, that we, that we can go home play a role. Cook, you know? Yeah. I right. mean, okay, let, let's look at that aspect of it. The second most intimate act one person can do for another is to feed someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're, pu- you're putting something in their body. You're giving them nourishment. It's it definitely an act of love. Um, now we're cooking at home. We're feeding ourselves. We're feeding our family. Um, we're getting more comfortable in the kitchen. We're hopefully learning a few new dishes. We're adding to our repertoire. And we're sitting down to dinner together. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, before this, uh, we always heard parents complain, you know, um, I can't get the family together. They're off <laughs> to soccer practice and piano lessons right. and, and cheerleading. And now we sit down to dinner together. So, um, uh, aside from the inevitable fights at the table, <laughs> there's, there's, there's got to be uh, some, some good coming out of that um, and, and, and the love that we share. Um, yeah, w- we all huddled around the fire in the cave and, uh, you know, let's go out back and, and, and start a fire and, and throw some meat on it and, uh, and, 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 and bring it in and sit around and eat it and talk about it and talk about the world and uh, get to know each other. And uh, so maybe that is something really beneficial to come out of this. Well, that's a good, <clears throat> great uh, comments there to, to kind of close on. And uh, Meathead, <laughs> if people want to find... <laughs> If people want to find out more about you, uh, where can they go? Uh, just Google Meathead or uh, uh, AmazingRibs.com is the is the website that I own, and uh, uh, I'm there on an ongoing basis. You can ask questions. Uh, we have a, a, a team of paid moderators who are really knowledgeable that are there to answer questions. Um, the book, Amazing Ribs, uh, Meathead, The uh, Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling is uh, – in most bookstores and uh, on Amazon, it's uh, the the best selling barbecue book out there, and uh, it's Highly a lot of fun. It. I think you guys will attest. It's uh, educational. There's some good recipes in there, and uh, we got a lot of recipes on the website. And I'm easy to reach. I mean, if you, uh, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Not hard to find me. Well, um, hopefully uh, next year, you know, things kind of settle down uh, with uh, we have a, a more tame year next year than what we yeah, did in 2020. Hopefully. But you all you always have a, an open invitation uh, to come and visit us uh, here in Northern Virginia. Uh, we oh, have our man. culinary lab and our barbecue restaurant, and we'd love to cook some ribs with you. So thank you so to. much. Yeah, I would dearly love to. We would I love mean, to the, do that. The, you know, I love traveling. And I hope to get back to it soon. Us too. Meathead, thank you so much and uh, take care. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. My pleasure. Let's do it again. We will. Take care. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you want to see all of our episodes, you can go to YouTube uh, at Rosendell Collective. We've got all of the episodes. A huge thank you to Meathead Goldwyn. He was a great guest. We've got lots more coming up. And also thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, Vitamix Corporation, they are amazing. They are the leaders in blending technology. We're huge fans. That's what we use in all of our kitchens. Also, Verlasso Salmon. It's some of the best salmon on the planet. Uh, it's buttery farm-raised out of South America, and it's delicious. It's what we serve in our restaurants. Also, the Comey software app. Uh, if you want to go to their website, comey.com, uh, that's what we use to organize all of our recipes for our restaurants and for our cooking classes. Uh, it's outstanding. You can also use it for home use. And also Henkelman. They, you know, these days there's all kinds of different vacuum sealers out there. For any of you that cook sous vide and you want a more sophisticated, smarter piece of equipment for cooking sous vide and for uh, vacuum packaging all of your product, check out the entire line of Henkelman product. They are innovators and they've got amazing hardware. Uh, also check out the International Sous Vide Association. These guys have put together an amazing organization. Uh, they host summits, they do workshops, anything sous vide, they've got you covered. So thanks again. Check us out next week when we have another episode of the Let's Dig In podcast. Thanks to my co-hosts, Christopher Ryloff and Rachel Barnett, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much.